Hello there and welcome to season 11, episode 1 of the Bitcoin Takeover podcast. For the first time ever, we are also doing video and this is taking place in Istanbul at the Lightning Hackathon, which is organized by Fulmo. And this first episode is with BTC Pay server people. And we have here Pavlex, you know him on Twitter. He does a lot of stuff for BTC Pay server. But we also have Simon, who is from Mempool. He's like Mr. Mempool.space. And if you want to learn about the Mempool, you got to ask him. And him, he also works for BTC Pay server. And we're going to have a very special four-way interview. I'm going to go behind the camera and I'm going to pass the microphone to them so they can introduce themselves and then I'm going to ask more questions. Where do we start? Okay, yeah, I can start. Uh, so my name is Andrew. Um, I go by Cooks on Twitter. Um, I'm, I've been working on BTC Pay Server as a dev for, I don't know, three, four years? What do you think? Four years. Four years, more or less. Um, Full-time, maybe three years, three and a half. So yeah, that's me. Hi, I'm Pavlnex. Uh, I'm doing product management for BTC Pay Server. Bitcoin design and also uh, Bitcoin smiles. So I'm involved in a couple of projects, but yeah, my main project is BTC based server. I've been full time on it for as same as Andrew, like four years, and we are being funded for maybe two and a half, three years. So that's me. Hi, I'm Simon. I go by Soft Simon on Twitter, and I am the creator of mempool.space, the, which since 2020 became a full block explorer. So that's what I've been working full time on since early 2020 until now. All right, so I am behind a camera and I also have a wire, so I have to take that in consideration. So what I know about BTC Pay Server is that back in 2017, there was this famous tweet by Nicholas Dorier, and that's how it all started. He got mad at BitPay, and he said, My faith is faith in you is lost. I will make you obsolete. I hope I did not misquote him, but that's kind of what he said. And you've come a long way. I think BTC Pay maybe had its peak popularity in early 2021 when Tesla added an integration that was based on BTC Pay. And some of their engineers even submitted some pull requests to the GitHub repository to suggest improvements. It's not like it wasn't good already because they used it. And what's the roadmap like right now? Like when obsolete? Because, you know, BitPay is still around, but everyone, like everyone who wants to be sovereign is using BTC Pay. So maybe there are two layers to this question. The first one concerns where you are at right now. And the second one concerns the difference between BTC Pay and BitPay philosophically and what it works like. So you can pick this one up. I also have a question about mempool space afterwards. Yeah, sure. So BTC Pay server is an open source payment processor, allows people to accept Bitcoin payments on their own term without intermediary, basically without fees and no third party involvement. So yeah. As Vlad mentioned, it started as a single-handed man project in 2017, where Nicolas Doria basically decided to create an open-source alternative to a centralized payment processor like BitPay. Our mission is pretty simple, I guess, just allow people to accept Bitcoin payments 
uh, on their own terms. And that's about it. Uh, without any boundaries, either financial, social, political, and things like that. So our main mission is accept Bitcoin payments on your own terms. And that's pretty much it. And your second question was about the differences between the two. And I will let Andrew maybe uh, go into the differences between BitPay and BTC Pay server or any other centralized uh, payment service, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the difference is really in ideology as well. I mean, one is, you know, a centralized company, they're they're processing stuff on behalf of big enterprise uh, corporates at this point. Um, I don't think they're targeting, like, you know, actual Bitcoin users, like proper ones. They're just going to companies that don't really care about it. They just want to get on the... You know, maybe go to the board and say, oh, we have a new payment method available now, so we're good to go. Um, I, I do think that at this point, we try not to, you know, base our entire mission on like, oh, we're going to make you obsolete. I th- uh, personally, I think they're uh, they're a bit insignificant at this point because, you know, it's just so easy to find an alternative, a, a much better alternative. Um, in terms of BTC Pay, the way we handle things is quite simple. We... It's a bit more complicated. Um, uh, setting up a wallet could be a bit more labor-intensive if you're not, you know, or- orange-pilled already. Um, but we're making it easier as we go along. I think we've got a great team of UX designers at this point, which is kind of crazy. Um, yeah, we're we're getting there. We're we're gonna beat centralized processors in in the UX and simplicity and making it just easy to use. Right, so now I have a question for Simon, who is the creator of Mempool Space. And to me, that was a very revolutionary moment because before mempool.space, you could look into the mempool fees and you could look at the median fee. You could look at it from your client, you know, from your node to type in commands and see what it's like. There's also a visualizer by... I think he's Dutch. I don't recall exactly the name, but it used to be very popular. Dutch or, or German? You you can let me know afterwards. I think so. I don't know how to pronounce it. But when you look for Bitcoin fees, he's one of the first results. And he has like a graph which shows how you should understand the fees and how much you should pay. But I think right now it has become easier than ever to see how much you should be paying to get your transaction across. And also helps you do something like child pays for parents or RBF because you know how much you should be paying instead of what you paid initially. I don't think that's the case anymore because the, the fees have been ridiculously cheap for almost one year. But really, the fact that I run my own instance of mempool on my own node, that's mind-blowing and it helps a lot. So how did you come up with the concept? Because... When you look at mempool space, it looks so obvious. Like, it should be like this. We should be able to see all of this information. But it was not like this before you guys came on the scene. So tell us more about your Genesis story and how you came up with the idea and the interface and everything. Well, yeah, I think I just... From the beginning, I just wanted to build something on Bitcoin or be involved in Bitcoin somehow. And when I was exploring the the Bitcoin node software that everyone can run download on their computer or laptop at home, I I found it a bit weird that it's it's like a black box, but 
there's a lot of data coming here. There's a lot of transactions coming in, blocks coming in, but it's not really visualized in some way. So my first idea was I want to visualize the blocks coming in like on a website synchronized with your node. And uh, it was also the the original idea, which was quite innovative, is was displaying the mempool as projected blocks that are coming in so you could see where your transaction is in the queue, like in a queue, right? So that was the biggest uh, thing that I came up with from day one there. And uh, and also following the, the Bitcoin ethos that we are building a new uh, financial system here. It should be built on long-term solutions. Like, like every, it should be open source. You need to self-host it. We have to get rid of all the uh, trusted third parties, right? So just similar to BitCPay, we just... So uh, that's why it was a given to have it open source as well. And as you know, you now we support multiple devices. You can just one-click install if you want it on your Raspberry Pi. If you run a Raspberry Blitz, Umbrel, MyNode, all, all of these solutions, it's very easy to connect it straight to your node. So when you are interacting with the Bitcoin blockchain, you want to look, look up your transaction, you want to look up an address in the history, you're doing it all in a private way. So, yeah... It started just as a small visualization tool, really. It just showed the mempool, showed the, the past blocks. You couldn't do much more. And then when uh, Waste joined the project, we uh, found a way to scale it more. We're using the, the Blockstream engine called Electrum Server so we could get a, a fast index for the whole blockchain. That's where we were able to scale it up to become a full uh, block explorer that competes with all the other alternatives that are out there right now. I think both BTC Pay and Mempool.space are very useful open source solutions, but there's always this discussion that we have about how are you supposed to fund and sustain open source. It's easy to come up with an idea, it's easy to open source it, but then you're going to have more developers, you're going to need designers, you're going to need marketers. It becomes kind of like a company except that it's decentralized and everyone contributes, but you contribute with bounties and stuff like that to make people keep on working on the project. So as far as I can tell, I'm running both of your services on my Raspi Blitz. And it's very nice, it's convenient, but I'm not making you guys any money because I'm just running the software without paying anything. So I know that you provide some consultancy, but that one doesn't always cover the bills. Do you have anything on the roadmap to make it profitable in some way? Sure. So on BTC Pay server end, we do have a non-profit foundation based in Japan. Um, we try to make a software which will be like an infrastructure, important Bitcoin infrastructure project that companies can use. And if those companies and their businesses basically depend on BTC Pay server, then they're incentivized to help us scale, grow and improve, right? So we have companies that use BTC Pay server. We have companies that don't use us, but maybe are considering in the future. And then we just have companies which are our fans in a way and like to support us and maybe get marketing from supporting BTC Pay server foundation. And that foundation basically helps distribute funds to contributors all over the world. Uh, depending uh, on the time frame, we now have 10 contributors who are working at BTC Pay Server. None of us is working there full time. We all have like side projects because, yeah, sustainability is very tricky in open source. But you need to look at it beyond funding and beyond money because 
the three of us wouldn't be here if we haven't been developing open source software being you know you, you get your name out by doing open source you get connections you get friends you mingle with people and that is also an aspect that otherwise in a company you wouldn't ever get so uh, these open organizations that are forming are very interesting and allow you uh, much faster i would say personal growth and you can gain a lot from it not just financially on just shortly like on our terms we just want to develop best free software out there we don't have any uh, plans to monetize it in any way we just want we uh, i like to say it i just want to have fun and code with friends and enjoy making software right we just want to allow people to accept payments have, have fun while doing it we don't want to be rich by it it's as long as it is sustainable enough for us that is perfectly fine on our end I'm not sure if Andrew has anything to add when it comes to funding and sustainability because he also had struggles as a developer who joined Bitcoin Space to get funding and maybe you can tell the story how you you know uh, how it all went down. Yeah, I mean, and uh, when I joined BTC Pay Server, it wasn't really because I wanted to join this one specific project. I wanted to. <laughs> the main idea was I wanted to build a uh, like every other person that joins the space. I want to build a Bitcoin exchange. You know, sell. Get get customers, charge them a fee, all that stuff, and um, I was just you know I'm just a dev right, so I was just coding it up. I was hitting Nicholas Doria to get uh, some feedback on how to implement all the stuff that I needed, and he was like, "Why are you building everything from scratch? You should try to use some of my projects that are that I'm building right now." And one of them was BTC Pay Server, and uh, yeah, I mean, I integrated it pretty fast. Um, it, was, it was still a bit rough, um, but it worked. Uh, it was a lot shorter to implement that instead of just building everything myself. And eventually, I just needed some more feature customization, and I started submitting pull requests to the main repo, and it just took over. Like, I was doing more of that than my own project, which eventually I just said, why am I doing this? Like, this is a waste of time. This is, I'm more passionate about BTC Pays now. So I quit my job. I started doing it you know, full-time with no pay for, for the longest time. And yeah, it was getting a bit tricky for a while trying to figure out how, how do I make this work? How do I <laughs> not starve to death while working on an pr open source project? Um, and um, yeah, eventually found some, I was doing some consulting for a bit, um, but it w wasn't covering much. And eventually we, we figured out um, that there are people that care enough that have money that would love to keep using the software and the ethos behind it. So yeah, we we got some good sponsors. Um, we got some good grants. Uh, personally, I uh, I got a per I got a grant from Bitsy at one point, um, which kept me going pretty well. So BTSC. I'm uh, BTSC, yeah. So I got I'm very happy with and appreciate what everything they did for me. Um, yeah, and I I kept being funded partially from the BTC Pay Foundation and from external grants. Uh, right now, I'm a full-time consultant with CT, which is a Bitcoin-only Norwegian company. And yeah, I hope we, we keep going. Um, we don't. We have no plans for revenue at all in BTC Pay. Like, we make no money off anyone. So <laughs> yeah, I ho I'm hoping we will survive o over the long term. Uh, but as long as we provide something useful to people, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, it's a little bit similar with Mempool. I was I was sitting in uh, all in Asia in, in living cheaply 2020, and I was coding most of the site just 
just out of my own savings back then. And then when the site really took off there in the autumn, when the bull market hit, we uh, we got a lot of attention, a lot of traction, and uh, we were uh, lucky enough to get several several of these grants. We got it from Spiral and uh, Gemini. And uh, later on, we got some other from some other partnership, like from Wallet, from Exodus Wallet, because they integrate with Mempool. They use Mempool to send their customers when they want to track their transactions. So they want to give back to us. So so that is the model that we have been surviving on until until uh, now, and uh, will keep us afloat for uh, uh, some time more. But then we'll see, explore new ideas later. We might find some. Uh, models that worked for us but as you know when you're doing something open source following the bitcoin ethos it's very hard you can't just add a fat banner on on the website it, it doesn't work like that it really has to go in line with uh, with the website with the business still keep the bitcoin ethos still keep it open source so it's it's more tricky than a regular centralized service when you but uh, we, we hope to find a float because we are now a growing team of a few very skilled people. We are a small team. We are a couple of developers, infrastructure, testing, designing, uh, Q&A, like a lot of this stuff. So hopefully, and also we are growing in data centers. So making the system, the website more reliable for all the geographical locations. So yeah, we, we hope to be able to con- continue to grow and uh, we hope to find uh, revenue models if, uh, if it makes sense. and hard money. There is no fiat on-ramp or off-ramp and you get to diversify your Bitcoin portfolio into gold or silver when you sense that a bearish moment is coming. Also, you can instantly trade your gold for Bitcoin to buy the dip. And if you're into gold custody, Voltoro can also send you the gold that you own directly from their insured Swiss vaulting facilities. Voltoro was launched in the aftermath of the Mt. Gox hack. So since 2015, they have published monthly glass books to prove that they own all the gold reserves and all of their customers' money. Sign up today by going to voltoro.com slash Bitcoin Takeover. Keep in mind that this is not financial advice and you are responsible for your own decisions. Wasabi Wallet is the perfect Bitcoin privacy wallet. It's free, it's open source, it's available on Windows, macOS, and Linux, and it offers groundbreaking Chamian coin joins, which makes your Bitcoin. Even if you do not use the coin join feature, 
you still benefit from a trustless experience with block filters, a hidden IP address via Tor, and easy management of your wallet outputs. After you deal with KYC exchanges like Coinbase, like Kraken, Binance, Gemini, or Bitfinex, you can remove the association between your identity and your Bitcoin address by performing a few rounds of coin joins. To find out more about the privacy benefits and limitations of coin joins, listen to Bitcoin Takeover Podcast Season 6, Episode 6 with Max Hillbrand. And if you want to give Wasabi a try, go to wasabiwallet.io and download the wallet for free. Wasabi Wallet, a Bitcoin privacy wallet for the Citadels. Yeah, so I was going to ask you about receiving donations, but you just gave me a good idea, Simon, because you mentioned that you coded most of it while traveling through Asia. And one of the sponsors of my show is Wasabi Wallet, and Adam, no power 73, also wrote most of Wasabi while he was sleeping in cheap hotels in Asia in 2018. You did it in 2019, 2020. So what is so special about coding in Asia? And that's also for BTC Pay because Nicholas is in Japan, as far as I know. So which one of you wants to start? For me, it just happened to be when 2020, when the lockdowns hit, I was happening to be in Vietnam for because I was nomading around and it was extremely cheap there. So I was basically stuck there voluntarily. And so it was a great opportunity to just spend a whole year there, just sitting, coding, <laughs> uh, living cheap. And it, there's a lot of people who do that. And there's a lot of location in Asia, also Europe, South Europe, Eastern Europe, like uh, Bulgaria, where you can... You can uh, I've been to a place called Bansko where you can find an apartment for 150 to $200 a month. And there are a huge co-working community. So if you want to just start up, you can go to one of these places and you can have a very long runway with your savings while you build up stuff. I, uh, just at this lighting conference here, I've been meeting a couple of people that just done just that when they're bootstrapping their business. So it, it mostly uh, for people who already live in high costs living uh, uh, locations to do this kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it's recommended if you want to make, maybe you can, uh, let's say you have a day job, you save up, you quit your job, you go to a cheap place and then you stay there for a year and maybe you can build up something that take off. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to, I've been living in a third world country in a way, it's Serbia and Eastern Europe. So for me, I'm also trying to keep my expenses low. But yeah, uh, optimizing your expenses is also like important. People complain like you cannot make it sustainable, but you know, they compare it with like big companies and things like that, salaries. But if you optimize your life, of course, not anybody, not everybody can do that. But if you optimize your life in a way, if you're really passionate about open source, I guess you can make it work. So not sure if you have anything to add. But. Yeah, I mean, my uh, my budgeting skills really went up the roof when I started doing BTC pay full time with no income at all. Um, I think that's kind of stayed with me now, even though I do have an income, uh, but it's for the better, for sure. Um, I, I can't complain. I, like it's been, it's been a good run so far.
Yeah, I can comment on his budgeting skills. Like, if you don't hear from us anymore and you're watching this video, this that is because he booked us a very cheap hotel in a very shady area. So just want to put a disclaimer there. If we are not alive anymore, it's because of his budgeting skills. I guess that's a useful warning and a good explanation. Yeah. If you disappear, this is going to be the most listened podcast ever, yeah. I guess. <laughs> even by police members, people searching for you. But anyway, you are working on open source software and there's a lot that needs to be developed in Bitcoin and we expect everything to be open source with no compromise. So if someone is starting now and has a very good idea for something, be it a payments processor, something to view the mempool, even if you don't like competition, and I guess it would be better off if they worked for you. But anyway, anything open source, let's say a wallet, and they have a brilliant idea. Where do you think they should start? Like, it's kind of intimidating to not work for any kind of money and only have your own ideals on the line. And I suppose a lot of people give up on their projects. Andrew, you mentioned something about building an exchange of your own. In the end, you haven't, but you ended up better off working for BTC Pay. So what would you say are the challenges and how would you advise people to overcome them? Sure. So in terms of wallets specifically, like these days, there are quite a lot of resources if you're building wallet to make it easier for you. So we have BDK and LDK. If you're building like a lightning focused wallet, those are basically software development kits that can help you kickstart things. And there is a Bitcoin design community where I'm involved with. We have a project called Bitcoin UI kit, which basically gives you a components which you can then um, basically fork on Figma and modify them according to your own design. So our grand vision uh, with that one is that anybody can create a wallet over the weekend basically and have a concept that just works. So that's like the big part of it. And there are like three separate communities working on that one specifically. So it is getting easier. But I think the main thing with open source is just finding your place under the sun. Like if you're a single developer developing something and there is no interaction with people, some people you know, prefer not having interaction, just putting their code out there. But most of the open source software grew because of the communities and because people, you know, opening up and allowing others to join in so that they could contribute back. So my tip for anybody starting open source project is just be open about it. Um, allow others to help you. And that is how you grow a project. Don't be like selfish. Don't try to control everything because at the end of the day, open source thrives from that chaos, which can be, you know, channeled and you can, you know, uh, channel it towards specific goals. But the chaos is very good, especially in Bitcoin. It allows us to create awesome stuff and thrive. Yeah, some of the best features we have are probably stuff we don't agree with. True. Like, yeah, like any feature I build has to get some criticism from Kapav and it goes bo both ways as well. But eventually comes out stronger, for sure. Like, he would definitely make me change my feature a few times until it's out there. And it, it works really well. I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. It's, it's good to have competition as well. I think competition is super healthy in the space. Otherwise, everyone ends up with the same suboptimal system, you know, bad codes, privacy leaking solutions. It's, yeah, it's still, this, it's still dominant in the space. There's plenty of bad wallets with a lot of market dominance, but... I think eventually it'll even itself out.
Yeah, my recommendation is just if you you have to find your place, your passion, what you or what you're good at. Maybe there's one specific language or one specific interest you have, and you should focus on building something, and then you're just showing it, pushing it out there. If you show it on Twitter, make it a website, and. Uh, what people don't might know is that as soon as you do that, you get so much feedback. You know, there are people coming who wants to join. There are people who wants to maybe they want to fund it. They want to partner up. So it give it opens up so many opportunities if you just if you just do that first step. And there's a lot of people that don't do come over that first step. They maybe code it at home. They might not even publish it on GitHub or maybe they keep it secret somehow. But I tried various projects. Uh, had I had like three, four Bitcoin projects actually, like before Mempool. They, it was just happened so that the Mempool one took off. But uh, I just shared it on Twitter. I got people to join. To like Wizzy said, "Hey, this Mempool Explorer looks great. Should, do you want to partner up?" And that's how it was able to grow. Because usually, uh, like me or I don't know you guys, but as developers, we usually are a bit narrow-minded with our development, focusing a lot of tech. So we lack some of the other areas like marketing or design so it's very important that you uh, as a developer you meet with uh, with someone that has the other key aspects like design and it it can take the tech add some design it can make something create something um, something beautiful and amazing in the end I know that open source software rely a lot on building communities and building a community of users who become savvy and are able to help others along the way. With BTC Pay, it was a lot like that. And Pavlex, you've helped like hundreds of people set up their BTC Pay server personally. And you were mentioned in lots of articles. I remember reading one from, I think, Leigh Kewen in 2019. She said something about setting up her own BTC Pay. She complained it was too hard. I disagree, but whatever. So how do you build a community? Because when you first start out, you most likely compete with a centralized service or a parallel open source service that's similar. Is it enough to have a good product or do you need to be also very friendly and open to the community? Yeah, well, you kind of answered that question. You do need to have like a good product, but any open source project starts small and then perfects itself through conversations and feedback from users. So, yeah, uh, BTC Pay server itself grew. It was when when I joined, it was like ten people only. It was on Slack, and I had no idea what they were talking about. Nicola told me I was a merchant at that point, wanting to accept Bitcoin payments, and I arrived there. And I was like, oh my God, Nicola Dory is talking to me, Bitcoin core developer. I cannot believe this. He has his time to spend with me. And then he really like, and then he told me like, well, now you you need to wait two weeks. And I'm like, why do I need to wait two weeks? Well, because, you know, blockchain needs to sync and I haven't optimized this and that. And we went from there, like we improved it that it now takes, well, there are services which allow you to instantly like voltage uh, spin off BTC Pay server instantly right away. So we are trying to reduce those technical barriers and building a community, I think Simon mentioned that it's not just developer, it's not just code, it's not just GitHub. You need a website, you need to make video tutorials because software is hard for people and documentation is important, you know. Uh, videos are extremely important. BTC Pay Server grew once we, we started like writing articles about it on Reddit. It started all on Reddit. Basically, 
what I did is I tried to explain to people what BTC-based server is because they had no idea what it is. So your software can be awesome and cool, but if people don't understand it or have a good way to understand it visually, because people, some people like reading, others just like watching videos, you need to create that marketing in a way material to, you know, engage with communities. And the communities grow organically, to be honest. You just need to let them freely develop and uh, for, uh, form small autonomous teams. We, that we have like design team, we have like documentation team, different teams form within a community. They contribute without, for example, main developer even knowing that there is a video in the making because these guys are making it. So just give freedom to people and it will go well, in my, in my experience at least. Yeah, I think the freedom part is really important about this, uh, about open source projects. Like in BTC Pay, there's companies that have now just white labeled it and started providing their own centralized payment processor. And that's okay too. Um, I think it's a lot better than having one big centralized company uh, instead have like 50 of them. It's still, you know, it's a different way of decentralizing. Um, but they form their own communities and they always give back to to the uh, to upstream. So, you know, they find a bug, they tell us we fix it. They're happy, we're happy. Um, and it spreads this way. Um, if they start making money or saving you know, on fees from other payment processors, they might give us a, uh, a grant, um, like one company did too. So yeah, I think it's organic growth. Um, hopefully it just keeps going that way and everyone is happy. Yeah, about uh, working with the community is uh, something that we are thinking about like daily. We are actively asking and uh, working with people on like in the core bitcoin community especially twitter where most of the bitcoin stuff is happening so like if someone is sending a link to a block explorer like it's like why are you is there something on mempool that you want is it something that you lack and we might be able to fix it and we had people that post uh, there's one guy who posts like the mempool weather report like every day or every week like that and he was like oh could you, if you could, can change this stuff i could it, it would be improvement. So we are like working with all these core influencers and these technical guys. And I think if you manage to catch this core Bitcoin crew, they are the influencers that are going to spread it to the world. So, I mean, if you do it, if you do it wrong, you, you might end up with a hashtag like hashtag delete Coinbase or something like that. If you are a Bitcoin company that does not listen to the community, that just ignore everything following their market team or whatever, but you want to be, you want to be loved by the community. And that's how you can expand very quickly. If you are running like a payment processor, you want people to install BitCPay server and not BitPay. You want people on, I want people to link to Mample Space and not blockchain.info or some other explorer. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Blockstream is, is a little bit fine, but yeah, of course I want everyone to link to Mample.space. So that's what uh, we are working on every day, trying to make, us the best one and I don't see how we could do it without uh, just being so close to the community and being open source open for pull requests I mean we we are taking in uh, pull requests uh, people are fixing bugs adding features and uh, like the biggest contribution is probably the languages that we're able to have I think we have around 30 different languages now and if you go to any other block explorer they might have three or four and it's not even complete so with all this community the open source software will uh, likely outcompete and prevail it can't there's no other way why open source couldn't win in the end i think 
By language, you mean translation? Yes, the translation. Yeah, the translation languages. So we have, we support uh, over 30 languages and even like weird, like the right to left. And we had guys doing pull requests to fix the CSS to what, when the site is uh, mirrored mode. So, so all that um, help due to the fact of being open source, I think we are able to compete and outcompete. Uh, the, even the centralized actors with a lot of money behind. Something which I observed about BTC Pay, but I guess also Mempool, is that instead of looking for people to hire, you're looking for enthusiastic people that you can teach how to work on the code. I know that Rockstar Dev was doing some seminars on every Sunday at some point. You, he was calling it weekly coding school or something like that. And he was teaching people how to code and work on Bitcoin projects. And the example that he was giving usually was BTC Pay. And why is it like this in the Bitcoin space? You think that Bitcoin projects require a certain ideology or a certain commitment to the project. And it's more important to have that commitment than to be skilled in coding in a certain programming language. Is it like this? Or is it just a coincidence? So my experience is that you need to find a passion in people. So they really need to have that passion. So even if they are not skillful, they will learn it. Because if you really care about the project and you really want to help it grow, you will learn it. Like I'm not a developer at all. I learned all of this from these smart guys. I, I was really not skillful at all, but I learned it and I managed to, you know, pass along my knowledge to other people. So it's about creating space for others. Open In order for open source contributors to grow, you also need to current contributors to allow them a little bit of space. So if we have like, for example, documentation coordinator, you know, he can onboard other people and give them responsibility. What I noticed is that when you give people a little bit of responsibility to be in charge of something and lead, give them freedom to lead on, and on their own without you being their manager or boss, that is how these open source contributors, which we call rockstar contributors, which really care about the project. And you just see that they're doing it because of the ethos and not some personal like self-interest. Uh, so you need to find rockstar contributors if you want them but it's very hard like you constantly get people wanting to contribute but then they don't commit so getting people to really care and have spare time combined with funding a little bit as well is what makes at the end the rockstar contributor but it's not easy it makes the rockstar contributor but not the rockstar dev yeah, true. <laughs> I think I think self-interest is also kind of important. Like from my end, I wouldn't have touched BTC Pay yeah. if it wasn't because I had a personal motivation to to touch it and improve it for my own needs. Um, I think once you actually get in, involved and you feel like you're you know you're doing like I felt like I was doing such a great thing for the community, right? Like like I just got sucked into it so well. Like it became a part of me. And you know that feeling of belonging, you know, in in it is just so valuable. Uh, the money helps to you know people don't end up working at McDonald's and losing all their income. So, um, but yeah, I think it's you need to find the passion in people, like he said. Um, it's it's the only way. Otherwise, you'll you'll do two features and you'll disappear. But self interest. Um, if somebody is contributing to the project because they need to use it. 
then you know hopefully that brings them to that part of the story yeah i fully agree what you said it uh, what you guys said is all about passion and i've seen uh, I, I know for a fact that there are a lot of open source projects, including Mempool out there, that are constantly looking for talent, looking for people. And the only thing they have to do is sit by their computer and open a pull request and make something. And there are money often behind there that can uh, be paid out as, uh, to contributors that do this. But even though there are these projects that uh, offer this stuff, there aren't anyone that come and contribute. That's how few people that are actually... Uh, passionate enough to do this on their spare time or uh, take the opportunity but uh, I don't know if uh, not many people know about it or is it if it's just so hard but we find it we found it very hard to find uh, people that match because you have to be passionate about the project you want you need to be a bitcoiner you have to be you have some skill I mean find this combination is is really really hard and of course you have to be available and not already working on another awesome company that pays you a lot of money so it's a, it's a very hard match, but uh, people should know that there's a lot of opportunity out there. You could just go to Mempool or GitHub repo and start playing around with the project open pull request and you might get uh, some uh, contribution uh, payout in Bitcoin as, uh, as a thank for your contribution after. I also wanted to add that people should realize that they can build their career through open source way easier because it's an open community, you just need to have passion and you can contribute. Like you cannot arrive to any company and just start working on something. In open source, you literally could do that. Like you can work with very smart, passionate people, but just showing up and telling, hey guys, what can I do to help? This is what I'm good at, let me do it. And then in a way you're building your open source portfolio, which can later either allow, allow you to be funded, get a grant, or maybe found a well-paid job in a company. And companies these days are uh, looking at GitHub profiles more and more. I mean, that's the only thing that they look when they're getting people hired, right? So it's good that you're building your career in a way. And you can think of open sources, just that internship or just, you know, helping yourself grow in a way. That's how at least I think people should consider or think about it. Yeah, I just realized that the camera stopped, but we have the audio. I'm not sure how much of the recording is here, but my next question was about to be the fact that Bitcoin seems to be so different, right? Because it's an open source project that's about money, and this kind of money increases in demand over time, which means it also goes up in price. So the payment that you receive today might be worth more in a few years. And if you are careful with your resource management, you can actually drive but I can think of lots of open source projects out there that have been abandoned because they they are not in Bitcoin. They are from different fields. For example, I use something that's called Podcast Generator for my podcast to upload to generate an RSS feed. It's very useful. It's very nice, but it's not maintained anymore. It was kind of abandoned because I guess they were not making any money off of it, so they just left it as it is. It works. I cannot complain about anything. I don't think I need any more features, but it's just an example of something outside of Bitcoin which did not get the proper funding. Maybe it has traction and users, but nobody cares enough to pay for it. So do you think that it's very different to work in Bitcoin and open source software, specifically because everyone is working and 
you know, the business of making money. Yeah, well, for example, Nikola tells this that he, the w the reason he's involved is in all of these open source Bitcoin projects is to be able to protect his own money. So the reason he contributes is because he wants to make sure that whatever he's doing is like whatever software he's using is actually verified by him and he knows how it works. So that's why he's building it. And if he cannot find it, then he builds it himself. Of course, he is like a very specific type of Bitcoin user. And I don't think like oh, developers need to be a little bit more open about it, whether or not they need funding because I don't think people realize. So they just realize, okay, this guy's coding, that's fine. But if you put a little bit of information on your website, ask for donation or simply explain it better to people to understand, hey, if you want me to continue pushing updates, I really would appreciate some donations because, you know, I'm coding this full time. So just be a little bit more open. And yeah, open source projects like any company die for different reasons, I guess. Maybe you never know. Maybe developer just got tired because creating an open source project and growing it is nice. But once you start maintaining it, it can be very painful. And as community grows, having like a maintainer, just, you know, merging things, reviewing pull requests is a very, uh, I guess, very tough role in my opinion. And it really, you can burn out very quickly if you don't know how to ask for help or onboard more people to help you with this. Because it's not uh, like the most exciting thing to do. Yeah, I think the problem with open source software is not going to go away, even if you're working on Bitcoin software. Um, you'll often find projects that have been abandoned just because people you know, people need to move on. You can't just be working on the same solution for 20, 30 years. Most times people need to change in their life. Um, in terms of, you know, and you should make people aware that you're looking for funding in some ways. It, you don't have to, you know, go in the streets and ask people like, "Can you please give me money for a BTC Pay server?" Uh, you can be, you can be graceful about things. Um, I think once people see the value in your project, eventually everything works out in the long term. Okay, so no comment from you, Simon. I'm not sure if I have any more questions. If you have any updates like closing words about what we should see next from both BTC Pay and Mempool and also let people know how they can follow you. Okay, sure. So people can follow me at Pavlonex on Twitter. You can follow btcpayserver.org as well. And what's next for BTC Pay Server? Well, we have our roadmap completely opened. So if you go to our GitHub repository, go to projects we have all of the features neatly planned out uh, this year we will work towards developing a mobile application for btc pay server we are completely changing our user interface we are trying to improve our onboarding process and we are adding plugin system to allow flexibility to both users and improving our api for developers as well so those are some of the highlights and if you're interested in trying out btc pay server or contributing just hit up me or Cooks and we'll be gladly to onboard you and help you out. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Mr. Cooks. Um, that's probably the easiest way to find me. Um, Roadmap-wise, what Pav said, uh, I can give you deeper specifics, but I think I'll bore people to death. Uh, yeah. What we are working on right now is um, a... Um, 
We're, ex we are building out some more features. We are working with uh, mining pools to expand our uh, data aggregation, uh, pools information, hash rate and stuff like that to make a nice um, nice view for, uh, for miners and people interested in the mining data. We're also expanding into the liquid sidechain. So we have a we have a separate website called liquid.network. So if you don't like liquid, you can just stay on mempool.space. But so it's a sep separate website where we are supporting upcoming assets like the El Salvador volcano bond asset, for example, which is going to be issued on liquid. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of um, Bitcoin DeFi stuff being built on top of uh, liquid right now. That's we are trying to. We are working with these guys, trying to uh, help them um, with the integration there. Other than that, we are uh, just expanding our data centers as well to make the website more reliable and uh, shorter latency. And uh, to follow me personally, I'm uh, at Soft Simon underscore on uh, Twitter, and uh, Mempool has uh, the Twitter handle at Mempool. Yeah, and the obvious question which I missed concerns what are you guys doing at a Lightning Hackathon? Like, <laughs> what are your expectations beyond, you know, promoting your comp not companies, open source projects? And also, you know, what have you accomplished here? <laughs> this is like more personal. Yeah, so what I personally accomplished is drinking a little bit more than I usually do. I try to sleep less and stay focused, which is very hard. So thank you, Andrew, for that. But besides that, really, uh, this conference is awesome. It's a, actually a hack, a hack day, which allows people to basically just talk to each other. So I really appreciate all of us gathering after so many years and finally just talking, learning and connecting with people, because to me, that is way more important than anything just connect with all these smart people learn from them and i'm just hopeful on what will come after this because just seeing all these people mix think uh, brainstorm and uh, try to find the solutions to wicked problems is impressive so yeah thanks for organizers of this conference we're really enjoying it so far yeah from my end i really like uh actually meeting people using the software and even just watching them trying to use it and see how much they hate specific things so so that Pav can bitch at me later on. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's quite important to to meet people and see how, how they react to, to everything and to see as well how they're building even the competitors like super interesting to see how they're scaling their software and doing things differently from us and maybe we could learn from each other. Yeah, we are not actively working on Lightning <laughs> right now, so it's a bit weird that I'm here maybe, but uh, I couldn't resist come out and meet fellow Bitcoin developers. And I've made some new connections with people working and doing similar stuff uh, like I do. So it's about networking, connecting, hanging out with uh, fellow developers and get some new ideas. It's uh, It's all fun. I felt like I should close the interview with some sort of shameless plug for going to conferences and why this conference is special in particular, because Jeff from FOMO has been very nice. Also, Christian Rutzel and all the organizers. There are lots of Germans here, which is strange. Uh, I sat at the lunch table next to Germans. I was the only one not speaking German. But yeah, 
those conferences are very useful. You get to meet people, you get to establish new connections, and it's nice to see people beyond their Twitter handles. I mean, I, I know all of you from Twitter, but this is the first time when I actually spoke to you in person, even though I guess we were in 2019 at other conferences. So guys, if you are into meeting people and want to drink after the conference, I guess, because neither of us is attending the talks right now on the main stage. We're recording a podcast instead. Anyway, come to conferences because it, it seems nice. And plus, Istanbul is a nice city. So this was it. Thank you all for doing this. And I hope that in the future, we're going to do another one and you're going to brief me with all the updates and all the exciting scaling that happens because this is obviously made to make Bitcoin more accessible to the masses through payments, through estimating how much they should pay in terms of fees. This is very useful. I'm a big fan of your projects and thank you for what you're doing. and hard money. There is no fiat on-ramp or off-ramp and you get to diversify your Bitcoin portfolio into gold or silver when you sense that a bearish moment is coming. Also, you can instantly trade your gold for Bitcoin to buy the dip. And if you're into gold custody, Voltoro can also send you the gold that you own directly from their insured Swiss vaulting facilities. Voltoro was launched in the aftermath of the Mt. Gox hack. So since 2015, they have published monthly glass books to prove that they own all the gold reserves and all of their customers' money. Sign up today by going to voltoro.com slash Bitcoin Takeover. Keep in mind that this is not financial advice and you are responsible for your own decisions. Wasabi Wallet is the perfect Bitcoin privacy wallet. It's free, it's open source, it's available on Windows, macOS, and Linux, and it offers groundbreaking Chamian coin joins, which makes your Bitcoin. Even if you do not use the coin join feature, you still benefit from a trustless experience with block filters, a hidden IP address via Tor, and easy management of your wallet outputs. After you deal with KYC exchanges like Coinbase, like Kraken, Binance, Gemini, or Bitfinex, you can remove the association between your identity and your Bitcoin address by performing a few rounds of coin joins. To find out more about the privacy benefits and limitations of coin joins, listen to Bitcoin Takeover Podcast Season 6, Episode 6 with Max Hillbrand. 
And if you want to give Wasabi a try, go to wasabiwallet.io and download the wallet for free. Wasabi Wallet, a Bitcoin privacy wallet for the citadels.